Hello and welcome to Deep Shots. Today on the podcast, Slavik and I discuss and rank the Best Picture nominees from this year's Oscars. Have a listen and share your favorites with us. We also gave our picks in the Atkin categories and talked a bit about what we've been watching. Just a heads up, we had some audio technical difficulties with this one. Bear with us, we'll get it figured out. We hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Check out socials on Facebook, Deep Shots Podcast, and on Twitter at Deep Shots Pod. If you have a question or a future show idea, drop us an email at deepshotspod at gmail.com. Okay, now that that's out of the way, podcast starts in three, two, one. What's in the box? What's in the suitcase? What's in the box? Deep Shots. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Deep Shots. Exciting episode for us today. We're pretty stoked to get into this one. It's We've been talking about it for at least two or three weeks now. It's the Oscar movie show. Wade, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm stoked for this episode. Um, I'm yeah. like, I don't know. This one felt pretty fun. I It was... It was difficult to complete because eight movies, when you have a lot of other obligations, is kind of tough to do. But um, pulled through it. You were patient with me. I know you rocked them probably three weeks ago. I wasn't able to do that. Um, but I am stoked and ready. That's an interesting year, right? Because of kind of the lack of content or, you know, it seems like the lack of, obviously, movie theater releases because of covid the a lot of these movies were more accessible than normal with the streaming services and hbo max and what have you really of the of the eight five of them you could pretty much watch on streaming services at at one point and uh you know everything else was available on you know what were what they're now calling pvod or you know premium video on demand you could rent it for 20 bucks or what have you from your service of choice so, yeah, this is all truth to be told. This is the first time I think I've ever seen every uh, Best Picture movie before the Oscars. So Yeah, that's an interesting point. I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk about it. I didn't think of that. Yeah. I, this is the first time I think I've seen all of them beforehand as well. But in all honesty, a horrible way to watch it because I was cramming them on my iPad, on my iPhone, on a video screen, on my computer. Um it just wasn't uh, relaxing and nice because of the the homework assignment. But I really enjoyed the challenge of trying to rank my view and then rank where I thought you were going to land, which is kind of a neat thing, a neat twist. For the, uh, for the, for the listeners out there, the, the, the three of you, uh, what we're going to do today is yeah, run down how we rank these movies from, from 8 to 1. But also, in the same time, we're going to kind of try to guess where we think each other ranked these movies. Because um, I think I know Slavic better than he knows himself. Yeah. So that pretty much gives Wade a green light to just make up his shit and then argue with me how he knows me better. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> Great time. Thank yeah. you. But, uh, yeah, so we've got a pretty good list of movies. Uh, I don't uh, – hopefully uh, – most of you have been able to see them. We'll uh, we'll kind of discuss the movies and rank them before we really get into spoilers. So uh, hopefully, get a chance to check out the movies and uh, go from there. And then maybe uh, maybe you'll come back and listen to our, our spoiler filled conversation, or maybe our spoilers will urge you on to go see some of these movies. But uh, there's there was eight movies uh, in alphabetical order. We have The Father, which you can now see on premium VOD. 
Um, I rented it on the Apple iTunes or whatever. There's Judas and the Black Messiah, which was on HBO Max. It's now on PVOD. Then there was Mank on Netflix. Minari, which is on PVOD. Nomadland, which is on Hulu. Promising Young Woman, which is uh, VOD. Not technically, it's not premium VOD because you can rent it for a cheaper amount at the moment. Sound of Metal, which was on Prime. And Trial of Chicago 7, which is on Netflix. So those are the eight movies in alphabetical order that we will be discussing today. Yeah, and I think it's it's important to reemphasize that this is a down year for Best Picture, isn't it? Like, it just seems like some of these films... So, you know, when I was thinking about my ranking and how I went about ranking the films, I took, you know, like a macro perspective of what is the movie telling me, how was it shot, how did the actors do, what was the story, and then into the detail, like, how much effort did the movie actually take to make? And some of these movies just didn't seem on par with years past. Um, I, and we'll get into it. It'll be funny to see where we where we line on this. And I'm willing to concede that I might like a movie better than I'm supposed to because it's more geared towards my interests, right? But if mm-hmm. you if I had the whole scale of best pictures and you start comparing them to other winners in years past i just don't know that it holds the same weight there are clear winners there are clear movies in this that are of that ranking that they they would fit in with all the other ones but then i think there's other ones that just got a pass because of where we are with the whole pandemic and everything else yeah this year more than any other more than normal the there's there was bigger movies blockbusters mcu movies and then there's smaller independent films and so that that middle almost is completely evaporated on movies and so what you see here is we have smaller kind of straight to streamer movies and then a couple of prestige prestigious type movies like trial of chicago 7 and mank i think are probably and nomadland to an extent are were prestigious type big ticket event movies based on who was involved well i would take nomad out of that list nomad's a small film nomad land i'm sorry that's a small film but i definitely agree with mank i'd say the father and the sound of metal you know what when you start peeling these away judas and the black messiah it's a bigger film i think the smaller film is like promising young woman that seems small to me uh, yeah. Minari so, very small very small but the rest of them you know just in the weight of the actors and actresses oh I have to bring this up with you so mm-hmm. somebody had mentioned this to me and I it's the first time I, I had heard it and this may be just a, a cautionary tale around political correctness but are you hearing anything that women don't like being called actresses anymore, that they want to be called actors? Because if that's the case, we I should definitely... I, I, I haven't heard that specifically, but I have noticed it more on podcasts I listen to where people will just say, the actors in this film are wonderful. But yet, obviously, when you go to Oscars, we have actress and best supporting actress, but... Um, when you are just talking about 
people acting in a film, it seems like more and more people are just calling everyone actor. All right. Well, so I'm going to plead completely naive on this and just go with the standard that I grew up with in that there's actors for men, actresses for women. And if I'm off by that, I don't mean to offend. I'm just dumb. Well, again, this is an Oscars podcast, and that's what the Oscars refer to them as, so we'll, we'll go with that. Thank but, you. Yes. I appreciate that, Wade. I think, But I think as a group, uh, you know, I think that's been kind of the more the norm recently, that we don't say actors and actresses. We just say the actors in this film. Fantastic. Okay, let's, let's anyway. do it that way. I'm glad we laid that out. So, so now that we've, uh, we've, we've vamped for uh, 15 minutes here, do you want to get through our list here, at least uh, our rankings? Yeah, so how are we explain how we're going to do this? I'm going to shoot over the bow what I think your number 8 is. Yes. And then and then I'm going to you're going to tell me gonna, you didn't sink my battleship or not a hit, right? And then you're going to shoot one back at me. Yeah, sure. And you're going to gloat if you get one right and I'm just going to be cool about it and and just but move on with the podcast. But again, we emailed our list to each other beforehand, so we can't be changing our list based on previous information. Yeah, nobody's changing at. any information. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so, who wants to go first? I will. I will. Uh, I will guess that your number eight is a small film called "Promising Young Woman." That is incorrect. It is oh not "Promising gosh. Young Woman." My number eight was Minari. Wow. Yeah. Uh, why do you have that? Why do you have Minari so low? So to me, it was um, a nice story. I don't think anybody in this movie had to stretch themselves really hard as far as the acting. I don't think that they had to stretch any stretch anything as far as the locations. I think the story is beautiful. I think it's it's a struggle to you know participate in the American dream. I think there's some amazing performances in it. Uh, one of the performances that is great is Will Patton. I think he really shines in this. But, you know, as far as a drama, it's kind of, a, it was very predictable to me what was going on. It just didn't, is it a good movie? It's a good movie. It's a heartfelt movie. But is it the best, out of the eight films that are presented, is it the best picture in my eyes, it's it's lands somewhere at the bottom of the the list, and for me, it's number hmm. eight. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to comment because I don't want to give away my list. But. <laughs> All right, so for me or for you, I think your number eight was the trial of the Chicago Seven. Ding, ding, ding! Boom. Okay. This movie, um, I, I didn't really care for it. I, I thought it, there was an over amount of narration. It just kind of felt like everybody was at a costume party and, and playing roles. And it's just, to me, it's not the best Sorkin and it's for it to be nominated for best picture is, I, I think more of a career achievement than, than something that's a best picture nominee to me. Okay. Number seven. So, my number seven for you, I had Minari on the list, but it's probably Promising Young Woman. Yeah, so for me, number seven was Promising Young Woman. Quite honestly, this thing must have just snuck in because it's not a best picture film when we t- 
when earlier in the podcast we were talking about movies that just didn't seem to make sense to fit this was one that didn't make a ton of sense is it beautifully acted it's beautifully acted it's a quality film i have never seen this actress before um carrie mulligan i've never seen her in anything before she was on my honorable mention list on the last podcast. Yeah, no, no argument. I just don't. And that was and that was before and that was before I'd seen this movie. Don't know the don't know her work. So I'll be honest. It's it was different than what I thought it was going to be. Like you and I had talked, and I was mm-hmm. I was telling you that it's the one movie that I really had no interest in. But the ending is a mess. The ending is disastrous. Yeah. Well, let's not let's not spoil so, it just yet. No, we'll no it, argument. We'll no argument. So. For me, for your number seven, I also gave you Promising Young Woman. You are incorrect. Mm. My number seven is Mank. I was really excited about Mank. I I watched Citizen Kane before I watched Mank just to kind of brush up on it. And it's got good performances, but it's just kind of inaccessible for me. I, I think the jumping back and forth in time... Um, it's a obviously a very strict, uh, almost adherence to the same structure of Citizen Kane, but I just it, I just didn't it just didn't connect with me. And I, I think Gary Oldman was great. I think Amanda Seyfried was great, but I just the the story in itself just just didn't connect with me. And I think that, again, going back and forth in time, I, I was. Not, I don't want to say confused by it, but you know, jumping back and forth in time was was also out of order, and it, it I had a hard time connecting where I guess past Mank was in his evolution towards writing Citizen Kane or towards his feelings towards Hearst and, and writing Citizen Kane. So I, I just it just I liked it's not a terrible it's not a bad movie by any by any stretch of the imagination. I just liked the uh, six other movies better. Hmm. Okay. Um. So my we're on number seven or number six. My so my for for me uh, for my guess of your number six, I think you have Sound of Metal. That would be incorrect. I oh. have Nomadland as my number six. Um, wow. So to me, Nomadland was a good film, but again, not. Nobody really stretched themselves in this movie. Even, you know, I think the actors did a nice job. But it's not like they had to play a character. It just seemed kind of dry. It, it's a hard story to watch. Uh, and I think it hit ho- it hits home on a lot for a lot of people. But it just didn't, it didn't go, it didn't make an impact on me as far as an art and where where it was the it, I'm surprised it's even in this list to be honest with you. Um wow. Man. Well maybe there's maybe there's four movies that I'm like that she you know, she doesn't even really Frances McNormand doesn't even really stretch her wings on this one. So wow. that's my number 6. So you're down to my number 5. Or my number 6. Your number six, I actually had. I'm going to give you what I actually had for your number six was Mank. So I was off by one. Yeah, yeah. And I have the father here. So uh, 
eight and seven I were movies. I kind of put these these movies into tiers. And eight and seven, I, I just kind of movies I didn't really care for. Six, I, I I honestly don't know how to properly rank the father. Um, it was a very tough watch for me. Um, Slavic, you you called me after you watched it and said it was like a horror film because um, it's it's kind of terrifying in spots. Um, but uh, going through what I've gone, what I went through with my father over the past year, and it was just a tough watch, and so much of it resonated and was almost exact word for word of things that came out of my father's mouth near the end of his life. Um, you know, the confusion about where he was living, whether he was at his place or someone else's place and wanting to see his mom. It it was just, it was a hard watch for me. And for that, again, I, I just don't even know how to properly rank the movie. I, I was, I was so taken out of the movie itself that I, I just kind of put it in the spot where, you know, kind of in the middle or or near the bottom, but I, 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 I again, not even sure if I've ranked this one correctly. Yeah, so I, th- you know, I I had it when I was thinking about my list for you. This one, I was really kind of on the fence as to whether or not you could be objective versus subjective on this one, and I made the wrong decision because I thought you were going to kind of see through that and relate more on the side of. I just went through this. This is a good mm-hmm. warning to everybody. So I have it ranked higher because of that. But then I did think, shit, I wonder if this was too close to the to the to the thing that he just went through and so but I understand. I get it. So now that I'm O for three on your list, I I have the father as number five for you. So number five for me is actually the trial of the Chicago seven. I'm O for four. Um so this, these first, these five, six, seven, eight, trial, nomad, promising young woman, and Minari. This is so like you. I kind of broke them out, broke them into segments. Um, but for me, it was like four that should be considered best, and four that should be considered just good. Um, and tr- trial, the Chicago Seven, is a decent movie. Um, but I equate it to like a few good men and I don't know if few good men was nominated for an Oscar or not. Um, that, that'd be an interesting take. Um, but it didn't resonate with me. It just told a story about a historical mm-hmm. event. It wasn't seductive. It wasn't, um, overly complicated. And I don't think it was a stretch for any of the actors to do the characters that they were doing. So for me, you know, Number five, middle of the road. Uh, Sorkin's excellent. He writes it well. It's directed well. The story's told well. But in the end, is it Oscar-worthy? Is it a best picture? It's nice that it's nominated, but it's not really best picture this year. Hmm. I have that uh, I have that much higher for you. I, th- I, I thought for sure that was going to be in your top three. So Anyhow. number four for you. Uh, five, five. Oh, five. Shit. Five, I have Judas and the Black Messiah for you. Uh, you're close, but uh, number five for me. And so this gets into uh, the another category. The, this next category is movies that I really liked, 
but I'm not sure they're Oscar movies. And so I have them above movies I didn't like, which I think might be more Oscar movies, like Mank and Trial of Chicago 7. And so my number five is Promising Young Woman. Um, I, I liked 90% of this movie, and I think Carrie Mulligan is awesome in it. Um, and I really enjoyed how it re- it just kept subverting your expectations, subversion upon subversion upon subversion. Um, and we can talk about those specifics because uh, this is this is the one movie on the list that I think generate will, will is going to generate the most conversation for me over the next months, years, whatever it is. Mm. Um, I I think there's a lot to to investigate here. But I think you're right. I think the ending um, kind of blows this movie up a little bit, and it and it kind of muddies the narrative. And again, we'll, I think we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. All right. So you're going to pick my number four. So your number four, I have is Judas and the Black Messiah. Close. My number four is Sound of Metal. And this is where these these next four, well, the next two could be flipped either way so the reason i'm heading in this direction with sound of metal is this is a this is a performance this is um mm-hmm. a guy that had to act the riz ahmed who i know from rogue squadron which he was excellent in yep rogue one. Oh, i'm sorry yeah. rogue squadron rogue one he uh and he was really good in that that hbo show the night of i don't know if you watched that where he got accused of murder and sent to prison i haven't seen that um oh man it's really good him and Leguizamo. but i thought he did i thought he did excellent i thought the story was super interesting and real like it was a real story similar to minari the big difference Mm -hmm. to me is they had to do some things like they had that you know the sound in this movie makes mm-hmm. this is amazing. So let's leave it at that for now because I think this is one we'll talk about. But that's why it's it's really for me it could be interchanged with three and four, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. So you're up to my number four. So number four for you for me is Minari. Yeah, uh, I have Judas here. Um, I really again Judas is a movie that I really liked. But upon reflection of it, I'm I'm not sure it's an Oscar movie because I don't know that it knows what it it is. It's got great performances. I think it's really well directed. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what Shaka King does next as a director. But it's, and I like that it's not a straight biopic, but it just seemed a little more interested in being this kind of cat and mouse spy drama or what have you than it was actually telling us Fred Hampton or, or Bill O'Neill's story, and for that, I think it it, it kind of takes a step down for me um, with regards to what I think are the three best movies of the year. Okay, so shoot one for number three for me. I had you at Trial of Chicago Seven for number three. All right, so I had obviously we already discussed. I that. have Judas and the Black Messiah for number three. Yep. Kind of, so I felt that this movie um, did something very Oliver Stoney. Uh, and it took a historical event and drama, uh, took a stance. This is the position we're going to look at this historical event from. And 
the good, the bad, the ugly is all going to align from that stance. The performances are amazing. Um, it made you want to learn more about the folks that these actors were playing. Uh, you had mentioned it before. There's an interesting love story. There's mm-hmm. um, revolution. There's collaboration with forces that they didn't really know. Then there's this Judas that's in the middle of this that the audience completely knows about. I thought the story was told extremely well. Um, and it has just enough drama in it to keep you really in, you know, engaged. And, and I thought they did a really nice job. So that's kind of my, um, my yin to your yang. Well, we have them very close to each other. I had them at, I had it at four. You have it at three. Yep. But so my number three. So I have sound of metal for your number three. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, that's two for um, me, by the way. <laughs> it is. Uh, so three, two, and one. I, I get. I, I think these movies are of a piece to me. Um, they're all very similar, and I think it says a lot about what I think a best picture winner is. Um, all three of these movies are very atmospheric, and I think they rely a lot on quietness and looking at the cinematography. Um, but, so yeah, Sound of Metal is, is number three to me. There's not so much cinematography here, but the sound that Slavic already talked about here is, is what I'm getting at. I, I just think it's really, really great filmmaking uh, in the use of the sound and, and, and how that melded with the pictures and, and when you're in kind of Riz's head I can't think of his character's name at the moment but um, I, and I, I loved the performance by Paul Racy here as uh, the the head of the kind of compound that he goes to the deaf the deaf uh, the deaf colony or whatever you want to call that yeah. that he goes and, and lives with and it really affected me because something I'm really worried about right now I have in the last couple of months I have tinnitus in my ears and it, my ears are ringing and so I just uh, I actually just went and got a hearing screen the other day and uh, I'm terrified to know how I did about wow. that but uh, um, yeah I, I love this movie and it was one of the first ones I saw of these eight and it stuck with me well prayers and thoughts on that unveiling. So I hope you're gonna pull through, and it'll everything will be fine, and and no biggie. So so you're number two. I I, I screwed this up bad, um, but I have I have Mank at number two, which was my number one, but at the last minute I changed it to number two. You're talking about what my picks are. Yeah. So my number two is the father. Yeah. I thought the performance by one of my favorite actors of all time is second to none. I don't know how he did that. I think the story, the way it's told, where it's these different visions and, and the actresses all kind of look alike and and sound alike and talk alike. and yeah, It was a hard movie to watch because I think it's it's frightening to that we're all going to head to that precipice and we, some of us may cross that threshold where we have that ailment, and some of us might not, and it's just a scary, scary thing to be thrust, and the performances are amazing. The way the story is told is amazing. The cinematography is amazing. It's a piece of art all the way through, and uh, 
I'm actually shocked that you have it as a six on your list. And I think more so because you're looking at these movies as how they affected you. And I'm trying to be a little more subjective, objective on them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I think if you watch this movie six months, a year, a year and a half, you would move it higher than what you have now. Because I think it, you know, you're still tender around your father and, mm-hmm. and what happened in this. Mm-hmm. Definitely push that right in your face. Um, yeah. So I thought... No no, no disagreement. I, I think... Again, I, I don't know how to properly rate that movie. But I think it's definitely not of the same piece as the three movies that I have at the top. But, but I... I I th- think you're right. I think Hopkins is great. I think Olivia Coleman's great. Hi, plus. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're at my number two. So I had the father for your number two. So yeah. So I have Minari as my number two, and uh, the fact that you have it as your number eight is just asinine. Um, but I expected it. I had you at it at number seven. Uh, Minari is just a beautiful, atmospheric film. Um, to me, it was interesting to see this great American dream story, but told through the lens of a Korean family instead of, you know, your normal Italian or what have you, Irish immigrants. And it's like, it was a show that we haven't talked about much. What, what I really loved about it, um, we talked about doing a, a Queen's Gambit show or a podcast at one time or another. But in, in Queen's Gambit, there was, she was going through this life, and she kept coming upon these men. And you always seem, at least I did, kind of expected the worst of these men to take advantage of her. To especially when she goes down to the basement to the janitor in the very beginning, you think she's going to get herself into trouble or she's going to get abused in some way. And these men all treat her with kindness. And they accept her and, and, and nurture her talent. And this is a, a Korean family who moves to Arkansas. And, you know, when you first meet Will Patton, you think that he's going to be a racist SOB. And, and, and they're going to come upon, um, you know, just roadblock after roadblock because of their ethnicity. And it's a warm movie. It, and again, that, that kindness. And, and Will Patton is amazing. I, I'm so upset that he wasn't nominated for Best Supporting I can't actor believe this. That. that drives me crazy. Um, uh, I mean, Will Patton, for those listening out there, you, you might know him. He was kind of one of the extra guys in Armageddon. He, he's been at a ton of things. He's a, he's a that he's guy. He's a character actor. You know, he's not... He's, He's never been a leading man, I don't think, for you know, as far as I can remember in anything. But he's just kind of one of those guys who's a background player, and he's he's good at what he does. The one thing we, one more thing I need to say about that is, um, the kid actor in this is good, and and I'm not going to listen to you slander that that he wasn't. He's good. good. It's just it's not a great film. It's not an Oscar film. It's a nice story. You're right yes. about all those things. I can't argue that. I mean, we're getting. We should get through our rankings before we get into this, yeah. but you're wrong. I mean, you're flat out wrong. Um, there, there was no stretch in any of the acting. You, you think that they oh, acted some? Steve, he's Stephen Yoon is incredible. As what? Stephen Yoon. 
He doesn't. He's no, a farmer. How do you a, play a farmer? A, he's be the same guy. I mean, I don't understand. Like he didn't stretch anything. I mean, grandma, the the grandma is awesome. But she plays a grandma. Like I mean, she's a grandma. They like cast all just, these roles as the people that they are. Well, but this isn't. You know, at what point not, did you know that we should we should we shouldn't be giving actors for or we shouldn't be giving Oscars to people who have to put on forty pounds and change? Sure, their that's stuff. a qual- wait a minute. No, no, no. That is a part of what you, why it makes it a good movie or a best picture. It's not uh, best people that can play themselves in a movie. I mean, it's you got to actually stretch some some parts of you. That's why Sound of Metal is so amazing. He's not actually deaf. He doesn't actually have implants. I mean, that's why it's so... It's a stretch for... And I'm only speaking of the acting. There wasn't really any kind of major cinematography in this movie. There wasn't, like, any any kind of stretch on any of the um, stages. Like, everything was kind of just... It was a, it was a trailer. But, all right, let's, let's go back to um, what our number so, one picks are. So you're number one. I totally, I thought you were trying, because the way you were talking, I thought you were going to pull something on me, and I thought you would see through to the most beautiful movie of the year, and I thought you honestly would have picked Nomadland here, because it is a beautiful movie, and I cannot believe you have it at six. Yeah, no, it's, it again, no stretch, uh, set a camera on one one place and let her meet some people <laughs> that's that's the artistic stretch um for me number one was mank um i'm actually embarrassed that i didn't list gary allman as one of my he's in my top five as fairy favorite actors of all time I'm, I'm embarrassed that i didn't include him in the last podcast but he actually takes on a character and he actually like like acts and they have stages, and they they change, they bring you into this world that I particularly know little or nothing about early Hollywood, and I think it the, it's just beautifully done. Um, the way he talks, the way he um, is confident in every situation, his the way he has alcohol with him all the time. It's it's kind of a Mad Men minus 30 years. Uh, I thought it was incredible. But I just want to say, I got three of yours, and you got none of mine. Because your number one is Nomadland. You're correct. Uh, Nomadland is... Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. She she just set a camera down and, and, and watched her meet people. Because... The most impressive part of this movie is the cinematography and the landscapes that they shot. And one of the things I thought was so beautiful about this movie was that it it portrays humans as humans incredibly insignificant to the greater landscape and the greater landscape of time. But yet there's a dichotomy there. In that we are significant to the people that we have relationships with, and 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 I think it's just hammered home, and it's I, I couldn't get over how incredibly moving this was to me. I, I, and a similarly, you know, 
that my father has died and my mother is is living alone and so but that this gave me warmth and and um I just I just think it's a beautiful meditation on aging and acceptance of grief and loss. And the performances here are incredible. Uh, Francis McDormand is wonderful. David Strathern is amazing as her, you know, her, the David, the the man she meets. And then you get all these non-actors who give great performances. Swanky. She's not an actress. Linda May, not an actress. And I mean, that's telling um, in the, itself the, the, that they that they're not acting, and that's why this movie. I mean, it's a good movie, but it's not the best picture of the year. They 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 yeah, grab a bunch of strangers off the side of the road and film them, and it's a good movie. And and got great performances. But it's not on a them. performance. It's them just being themselves. It's not a performance. I mean, if I asked you to do Wade, you'd be excellent at doing Wade. If I asked you to do Mank. You would fuck it up beyond belief because you don't act. But if I asked you to just be Wade, you'd be excellent. You got Wade down pat. And I, I'm, you know, it surprises me that it's an engaging. It's an it's an engaging character. The landscapes are beautiful. Yet yeah, landscapes are beautiful when I take a picture of them. I mean, you don't need. It doesn't qualify you for best picture of the year. Have you seen what you can do with a drone? I mean, it's amazing. But it doesn't qualify for best picture. I'm sorry. She Go didn't see even, Nomadland, so everyone. It's the best picture of the year. Frances McDermott didn't even, like, like, she went to Amazon and worked. I mean, it's not a stretch. It, it, they, there, I mean, is it artsy? Is it nice the way the presentation is? It is. But it's, like, in Mank, they created whole stages. Like, they brought in other... Uh, parts and pieces of that era into your life that you had never seen before. It's it's Yeah, so that's set design. And the set design is okay, great. Okay, so what's the set design? So set design is great. Is let's give it an 8. Set design for No Man Land, it's a landscape. Zero. I mean, there's no create like I mean, I don't dispute that it's a beautiful movie. It's a great movie, but it's not an Oscar-worthy movie. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up with you is it's very interesting to me on a psychological level that Nomadland hit your heartstrings for your mom and for your dad and this warm, butterly feeling. But the father, which also kind of does the same thing. Like you said, it, you that was a, that was a horror movie. It a six. I mean, holy shit, yeah. is that off? Yeah, well, they're my rankings, and I can't believe that I got zero out of eight of yours. But I knew that Mank. I knew that I had Mank as number one, and then at the very end, I changed Nomadland to one because I thought, you know, you would actually see the beauty of this film. (laughs) But apparently, you're a cold-hearted son of a bitch. That good. So, So, do we have anything like in the bottom that actually we ranked? Close, like okay. So let's look at the no, bottom. There are cl- our closest numbers are Judas and Sound of Metal. We both have those really. Close so to in each the other. bottom four, we have Promising Young Woman. We have Chicago Seven. That's it. And then my, <laughs> the two films that I think are the best. You have six and seven. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, like I said, I think this tells a lot about me. Uh, these, what I think are best movies are are these. Again, very atmospheric films. Sound of Metal, Minari, Nomadland. I think are beautiful stories um, that show great filmmaking, despite Slavic's uh, opinion otherwise. That uh, that Nomadland didn't take great filmmaking to make, which is insane. It's insane. Oh, it's not insane. It's not insane. You gotta actually do something to the film in order to make it best picture. I think can't just film some strangers and be like oh we're good oh we're good um but let's go back let's go back to promising young woman because i kind of i want to talk about this this movie should not be in this list yeah so 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 let's 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 say that we're gonna uh we're gonna get into spoilers now so uh if you haven't seen promising young woman or or other of of these movies we're going to talk a little bit more specifics about these movies at this point so so the movie is an interesting set piece. It's an interesting. It really took at the beginning when the, when it started out. I got really interested. I was like, "Wow, this is kind of this is kind of interesting." But the setup fails miserably. She has this list of names. I don't know what she's mm-hmm. doing with those names. I never really find out what she's doing with those names. I'm left. To my own devices. On she's it. she's just taking down the she's taking down the names of the guys that she has now shamed. Yeah, but there's a whole shit ton of uh, them, right? And I, and I don't yeah. know that. So, so what? She's shaming all of these guys so, that she's just meeting and letting them rape her. Well, so so again, let's back up. So the story is is that she was in medical school, and one of her friends got raped, yep. um, and. The institutions around her, covered it up. around this, uh, let her down, covered it up, h- however you want to say. Um, and she, uh, Carrie Mulligan's character, uh, Cassie, then drops out of medical school. Uh, well, excuse me. The the person who was raped, I can't think of her name. Uh, uh, doesn't matter. Frig. We don't really meet her, obviously. She's, she's off camera the whole time. But uh, she commits suicide. Cassie... Uh, drops out of medical school and then moves back in with her parents. Starts goes to work at a coffee shop, and she is now her purpose in life, or the way that she is dealing with this tragedy in her life, is by now going out and getting revenge on all these men. And I think this is kind of the first subversion that I was talking about you think that she's going to go out and, and like physically do harm to these men. But I was intrigued by the fact that she does something kind of even more logistically real in that she's not going to overpower them and, and slice them up and, and, and cut them to pieces and chop off their dicks or whatever. She's, she's gonna just shame them. And, by acting drunk and then waking up in the moment and and, and and shaming these guys, the other subversion that I loved is that all these guys that she shames are guys that you recognize, or at least you should recognize. They're all these kind of nice guy actors. From you know, the, the first one is the main one of the main characters from the OC. Then there's McLovin. Then. Uh, you know, there's a couple of guys from that show that uh, had 
the the girl that was in Elf. She has the is it show and there's I don't know it. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, there's there's two guys there's 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 two guys from that show that are on there, and it's I I just think it's it was very interesting that you know and it brings up interesting conversations about consent because these scenes are typically played for laughs in in other movies and in other sitcoms where the girl gets really drunk and wakes up in someone else's bed. You know, I can remember that happening in Friends several times, it seems like. Um, And, you know, or like the 40-year-old, not 40-year-old virgin, but knocked up. You know, she gets blasted. And then goes and has sex with this guy and gets pregnant. And that's treated as a joke throughout the movie. And now the, that one, she might have had a little bit more consent there. But I, it's, I just thought that was an interesting concept to bring on, yeah, issues with consent. And, 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 and hammer this home that th- this isn't funny when, when this happens to women. And we, and we shouldn't be treated that But I'd like to way. understand... Why is she shame? So I understand that she was shaming the folks at the party that were attacking her friend, but she seems to be taking it even further and just doing it to society. Yeah, she's she's a she's Batman. She's a vigilante. She's just gonna go out and and treat as many of these men, or not necessarily treat them poorly. But she's go, she's gonna go teach yeah, them lessons. So that was that was a far stretch for me. That was hard to, to grasp, especially if you want me to take this seriously. And then and then at the end, um, so she had a plan, and that plan included her dying, or I don't. It just. I wish I understood more about how that all came to fruition. It just. Before we talk about the end, I, I just want to bring up one other thing that I loved. It, it, well, there's the more subversion is just the the bright colors of this the color palette of this show. You know, there's lots of pink and rainbow colors, but it's you know it's a dark movie and it's got a dark subject matter. Like we said, it's about rape or date rape and 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 but also the consequences of revenge. But I I do think that its messaging becomes muddied at the end because okay yeah so did she did she did she she obviously thought it was a possibility that she was going to die uh, in the last scene where she goes to uh confront the man who raped her friend because she obviously had this plan that works perfectly which is 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 somewhat of a stretch but she dies in the name of revenge. Did she, but did she want to die? So that's what I don't understand. Is is again? It's kind of a we've talked about um, the Dark Knight Rises, where if you start pinning down the plan that the Joker has and and the Batman's unveiling of the plan, huh. it's like one step after the other. That the amount of planning that would have had been taken by both of them is like ridiculous. And in the same instance. It just seemed like, like, how did those texts come through? Well, apparently you can schedule text messages on her phone. I'm, I don't know of a phone. I don't either, that, but, but apparently you. But it kind of hinted that she survived somehow. And, and No, no, it's just that did she. Did you see her delay? It's just that she scheduled. Did you see her do that? 
I, if nobody has a, a, the ability to do that with text, why would you assume that that ability exists in this film? It, it's. I thought it said something like sending scheduled texts or oh, receiving. I, I don't, I, I don't that. know. I only saw it once, but 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 then the the. Uh, so I guess from the does the writer of this film Emerald Fennel does she think that revenge is actually unhealthy because you know is the are, is the moral here that it was okay for her to die to 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 catch these guys so I don't know that there is any moral I think it's more random like, like and I think that's the same. I mean, I hate to compare this, but like the grandma dropping the having a stroke and dropping the fire onto the barn. It's just a random act. She thought she was in control. That's going back to um, what's her name? Cassandra. She thought she had control of the situation. The guy broke free and was able to Mm -hmm. compromise her. But apparently, regardless of whether or not she had, she was at her end. She was gonna send all the evidence to destroy these people, regardless of whether or not she survived or died. Right? I guess that's the telling moral. Well, she, I mean the the, fo- the folder says, in, you know, to the the lawyer Alfred Merlina. It's uh, Alfred Merlina. It says, in case, in case I, you know, you don't hear from me, this is where I was, and so yeah, I don't know if she was. Obviously, she can't unsend that. Um, so yeah, maybe it was gonna. She was gonna prosecute him anyway. But the the final thing that's kind of muddied here is, so they're at the wedding of this guy who has now killed Cassandra and has raped her friend, and the sirens go off and the police show up. So are we to assume that, you know, this guy's gonna actually do jail time and what have you? I mean, because. The whole movie was about how the institutions failed her friend. Well, didn't she convince that and, lawyer and now the po- to help convict them now? Well, she convinced she convinced him post posthumously by sending him the the phone and, yeah, and what have you. But I mean, are, are these guys? I mean, are they really going to do time? They 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 found her body. I guess they found her remains in the fire pit. But I, it just seems weird that. After spending a couple of hours of this movie talking about how the school failed her and the cops failed her and her friends failed her, that we're now going to rely on the cops to, to catch the bad guys. Well, I'll, I'll go a step before that in that it it's a stretch that the guy kills her, right? I mean, that seemed mm-hmm. pretty extreme. Another subversion. Right. Another subversion, you know. We think that we we think she's going to get away with it, and she's our she's our knight in shining right. armor, and and then that that is other than pieces of a woman. I don't know if you watched that movie this year. Um, that scene of her getting suffocated was was the hardest five minutes of movie that I watched all year. Even though I really liked, yeah, this movie. I can't I I can't stand that. Um, but then what I you know the friend comes in and he's like, oh. She's not dead, haha, ha, funny, and then figures out that she's dead. And so their gr- big game plan is let's go burn her in the backyard. I mean, just, I don't know. I'm, I don't feel like I'm, well, they're I'm dumb. not that callous You're supposed with to th- life. And, and I, 
that's where these movies kind of run amok on me. Is that and I, that's where I'm just shocked that it's a best picture film. I just don't understand. Yeah. It's it seems much more of an action. Like she's a superhero. But yeah. um, but I just I really I I was just blown away by how it just kept defying my expectations. You know, it started as kind of this dark thing, and then all of a sudden in the middle of it, it's kind of this fun romantic comedy where she's hanging out with this boy, and they're singing Paris Hilton I kind of like that part. Like, Paris Hilton has songs? The pharmacy and, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow, that's news. Yeah. And, but then that turns really dark when, it finds, when you find out that, you know, that guy, uh, Ryan, was, you know, at the, at the rape. You know, he may not have participated, but he was there. And that was, you know, just another wow moment for me. You know, I didn't see mm. it coming. And I, uh, again, I, I really like this movie. I, I agree with you, though. I don't know that it's an Oscar movie. But I, I enjoyed the movie. And it's probably one of the eight that I would rewatch again. Um, or rewatch more than, than others. Even though I, I, I sat there, just now gave you 15 minutes as to why I think the ending is is kind of weird, but I liked a lot what led up to that. So let me ask you this for these movies, movies, is it enough when you say the movie's a best picture for you? And I'm asking you your opinion for it just to have mm-hmm. a good story. Is it, is that enough to make it the best picture or are you look when you, when you review your list, are you looking at all of the other components that make a movie or do you say, okay, Minari yeah. is such a touching tale, and it defies, um, like you said, it, it's a a different perspective of Koreans trying to survive here and have the American dream, and it's told beautifully because Americans are accepting of immigrants, which is a whole other thing that you could talk about with this movie because it's it's in the 80s where our stance on immigration is completely different. Um is that enough for you to go, yeah, this could win Best Picture? Or when you, when you looked at Nomadland, did you look at all of the components, the screenplay, the acting, yeah. the... All, all three of my movies that I have at the top three, Sound of Metal, Minari, and Nomadland, I think, I, I, they, I think they have great stories. But I've talked about how I loved sound design of Sound of Metal and the acting of Riz, you know, Riz Ahmed and Paul Racy. Um, Minari, again, I think the cinematography of Minari is great, and I think the acting is wonderful. I, I, you know, you, you say that these people aren't stretching, but Stephen Yoon is, I mean, this kid was, you know, running away from zombies on uh, Walking Dead a couple of years ago, and I didn't know he had this in him, and I thought it was fantastic. I was blown away. I've never, I don't know these, the, the women, Yuri Han and Yu Jung Yoon, but the, the wife and the grandmother, respectively. I just, I thought they were phenomenal actors. And Will Patton, like I said, I'm mad that he's not in he Best He is by far now. the shining light of that film. He is by far, but I still disagree with you that those other folks just don't see a big stretch. I guess, you know, you and I just have a fundamental difference in, in what we think is good acting because I, I don't think you need this stretch to be a good actor. Like, you can... No, I you know, I don't either. It, 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 it can I'm be saying good. for Best Picture, 
what Gary Allman had to do to take on a character, to take on a persona. He does. There's no other movie where he behaves like the guy in Mank, because he's stretching mm-hmm. his acting ability. If I took the Korean mm-hmm. language out of this movie, you would never know that he's any different than the guy running from zombies. Yeah, I disagree. Okay. I just, I just do. But are there any other movies you want to talk about, kind of more specifically here? So I think the one that is a, is a. It's interesting, but again, I don't know that it's Oscar bound. Is uh, the trial of the of the uh, Chicago Seven? Um, I think I that movie came out in the middle of last year. For me, it was more of a perf- the, the performances weren't a stretch, but how they recreated a lot of the action that happened in Chicago, like those guys waiting at the park. And the police coming in, and and I, I just think as far as a set piece and and how they dress Chicago um, was really neat. And for me, the big eye opening experience in it was that there was that undercover police officer that was a female, and was actually mm-hmm. seducing one of the seven, Jerry Rubin, and. Um, you know, I don't know enough about those details, but it almost came across as really shady that that's how how low you would stoop to try to get information. And I and I guess well, it was and it and it wasn't just her. They they lined up like eight straight witnesses of people that had infiltrated or attempted to infiltrate their their group or whatever you want to call it. But I I don't know this I. The montages and the way it was edited, especially that scene where three or four different people are providing narration and eventually they push the people through the plate glass window. I don't know. I just, I I thought it was trying to be cute and in the end it just, it seemed like it was poorly edited to me and I didn't, I just, this movie just didn't connect with me. I, but I, I, and I think, like you said, I was, I loved uh, Jeremy Strong as Jerry Rubin, but I think it was just because it was humorous to me to think about his character in Succession, um, Kendall Roy, and then see him as this hippie Jerry Rubin. Uh, you know, was just kind of more funny to me than it was. I thought good acting. I I enjoyed it, but I don't know if it was good acting. Yeah, that's another that's another point um, about these movies is they're they're pretty humorless. They're not. There's nothing particularly uplifting about them. There's not a lot of humor. I think I think Mank was pretty funny. Oh yeah, I Mank, Mank had its moments that definitely, but it, it's not an uplifting tale. There's this, you're watching this alcohol alcoholic basically destroy himself, and mm-hmm. uh, he's always arguing and debating and knows that he has talent, kind of arrogance about him. It's not a. It's not. I mean, he has funny moments, but it's not. He, there's not a humor to it. I guess is my point. Uh, Trial of Chicago Seven has points where it's funny, but when you look at it and how that judge was behaving with them, and if that's really how it happened, it's just disgusting. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then the you know the over there's a little bit of overlap between uh, Judas and the Black Messiah and Trial of the Chicago Seven, and that was the other thing that was shocking to me is if uh, oh, the other Black Panther in Trial of the Chicago Seven, who was actually you know would have been the eighth member of the Chicago Seven, if he was truly treated that way in a courtroom, my God, I mean I don't know, it, that's shocking to me that that's not. Yeah, you know something I had, I, you know, shocking to me that I had to learn about that from a fictional movie. I guess if that's the way, the way it truly happened. Yeah, that lawyer. What was that lawyer's name that played? Uh, well, it's Mark Rylance. He, he is, is, and I think he should be up. Is he up for? Uh, no, man, he didn't he, get nominated for anything. He was amazing as that attorney. Yeah. That was something yeah. to watch. Um, so the the one other thing I wanted to talk about with Nomadland, and so we can fully litigate this now again. I was again so moved by this, and there was a scene I think it was with her sister, where she's talking about why you never moved out of this town even after your husband died. And why you didn't come back home or, or go someplace else. And, she, you know, she says something like, you know, moving on feels like you're erasing your past or you're erasing that that part of your life. And I just thought that was really interesting to, to talk about and, and to think about. But then even more so, it was driven home to me when she goes back to her house at the end, her old house at this, you know, this tract home in the, near this gypsum mine in Empire, Nevada. She's walking through the house, and it seems like she's come to, and it's a wordless scene, but she's come to accept the loss, but she walks out of the house, out the back door, into this, again, vast landscape. And she leaves the door open to the house and leaves and walks out the fence and leaves the fence open. And I think it's nice that, in my opinion, she's, she's, she's come to grips with the loss, but she's not closing those doors. And she's, she's, she's given herself permission to move on fully. And maybe she's driving to go see David Strathern there at the end. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just putting too much into this uh, thought. But I, I think that's just that when I saw that, that, that was, that was kind of the clincher for me. And that's, you know, the last scene in the movie, but that this was fantastic movie, um, you know, does so much with pictures and not words and, and, and wordless acting that I just, I was blown away. I by thought it. that mountain in the background performed exceptionally well in that scene when they hit action. You could really tell that You're that mountain, um, not so much the You're wheat field in between, but that mountain really nailed it. Um, really did a nice job. And then Frances, when she walks, man, she puts one leg in front of the other. It's like unbelievable. It's like it's talking to you, her walking. Yeah, it's definitely the best picture. Uh huh. Why don't we get some hobos in there that could act? Hey, can you leave some beans out on the porch so we could eat? 
We're hungry. Nope, just shooting a film here. That's all we needed. See ya. Did they get paid, those people, those poor people they pulled off the street? You know, there's a union in Hollywood. Nothing. You're an asshole. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wonder how many times they had to shoot that scene. All right, you close the door, now leave the gate open. <clears throat> okay, nope, that's not going to work. Leave the door open, close the gate. Oh, that tells a whole different story. That's not what we want. Leave both open. Boom, we nailed it. Cut. You're an asshole. I just, uh, man, you, 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 if it tugs at your heartstrings, you're, uh, you're all for it. Yep. Yep. So do you want to quickly run through the, uh, the awards here? I know you haven't seen all of these movies, but you want to go kind of run through the nominations here and talk about who we think should have won or who, you know, who we'd have liked to have seen win and who we think is really going to yeah, win. Yeah, so who are we starting? So we'll talk about uh, actors in a supporting role. Okay. Um, so we have this, this, this category upset me the most because, one, Will Patton wasn't in it, in it. But two, two, both of the leads, leads from Judas and the Black Messiah are no, I don't know, are nominated here for actor in a supporting That's role. That's weird. Daniel Kaluuya, Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. I mean, if you think back on the movie, I, I think Lakeith is probably more of the lead actor, and Kaluuya is probably more of the supporting, but to have them both here is really silly to me. Um, but we also have Sasha Baron Cohen for his role in Trial of Chicago mm-hmm. 7. Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, which uh, he plays Sam Cooke in One Night in Miami. And then Paul Racy, who, um, from Sound of Metal, who, again, I already talked about a little bit, how I really liked his performance. Uh, Why is he a supporting the actor? kind of leader of the... Why would he be a supporting actor? Because that doesn't make any sense. He's the... Yeah, he's definitely... That's, like, textbooks. Oh, no, wait. Actor. He's the guy... He's the guy in the, in the school, right? Yes, yes, I'm sorry. The, the, sorry. the, deaf, the, the deaf colony. Or yeah, if we need to, that. That so, was my uh, bad. So, yes, he's probably the winner in that category. He does a great job. If, uh, if the guy from Minari's not in it, then he should definitely win. I, he is awesome, actually. So you, you would want Will Patton to win. Yes. But you think Paul Racy's Will win. Patton plays, like, outside of his fucking mind in that show. And you're... Yeah. He, Again, he's not... He's not nominated, I know, but, he, but we, you know, we when he's carrying that cross, you're like, bro, bro. Yeah. 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 So I, I agree. I, I would have wanted Will Patton in this category, but I think uh, Daniel Kaluuya is going to win. So I think he's just phenomenal as Fred Hampton. Uh, I, the way I've talked about this before, just the way he storms in those monologues or those speeches that he's given, uh, I, I just think it was really powerful and Loved it, but uh, I would I would also have liked to see Paul Racy win this, but I, I don't think he's going to win. Um, so we'll go to actress in a supporting role. We have uh, Borat's daughter Maria Bakalova, which I can't believe she's I didn't nominated see that. for. An, uh, you didn't see Borat Mm-mm. too. Um, Glenn Close is is our uh, nominee for Lifetime Achievement for Hillbilly Elegy. Which was a terrible movie, and uh, she's she plays the grandmother in that movie. She does an okay she job. She should never get this, an award. This is, a, 
This is a why 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 do you say that? Because everybody likes her. She's like that other uh, Glenn Close she, and uh, what's the one that everybody like everybody loves? Oh man, I can't think of her name. Who's that one woman that's in uh, uh, Bridges of Madison County with Clint Eastwood? Meryl Streep. Yes, everybody loves Meryl Streep. She's yeah. not that good. Yeah, they do. No, so, oh my God, hot takes galore. Yeah, Slavic tonight. Glenn Close, uh, Meryl Streep. The other three, the other three nominees for best supporting actress are Olivia Coleman from from Hot Fuzz fame uh, in she the Father, uh, Amanda, Amanda Seyfried for she's Mank. she's great too. And, she has a hell of a performance in Mank. And Yu Jung Yoon as uh, the grandmother in No, Madonna. she was horrible. So who do you th- who who would you want to win, and who do you think is going to win? I, I believe that the person from the Father who has already won an Academy Award will win again because she was in Hot Fuzz. And would you is that who you would pick to win? Man, it's close. No, I would probably pick uh what's her name from uh Monk Mank. Okay. I thought she did great. So you so you would want Amanda Seafried, but you think Olivia Coleman's Yeah, gonna win. that's the way I'm That's the way the cookie yeah. crumbles. How what about you? Uh, I think I would, uh, probably, uh, I, I, this one's tough. I would definitely go want the grandmother from Minari to win, Yoo Jung Yoon. Even after she burned the barn down? Yeah. I think she might win, but I think Amanda Seyfried might win too. So I think just to hedge my bets, I'm going to go with Amanda Seyfried here. So we'll now move on to to best actor, male actor. Um, we have Riz Ahmed for Sound Gary of Metal. Should win. We have Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I know you didn't see that, but uh, he's gonna win. There's, it's, I mean, he's he's dead. He's gonna he's win. Dead. Oh, that's uh, right. Rest in rest in peace, Ch- rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. But he's gonna win. Uh, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Yoon for Minari. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins should win, or Gary Oldman should win. You got to pick one. I can't. Can't. Who do you Who do you think is going to win? I I mean I tend to agree with you. The Academy has a soft spot for um, people that died, and. Uh, yeah, Ma Rainey, he was he was actually really good in it. Um, I don't I don't think he was better than Riz Ahmed. I don't think he was better than Anthony Hopkins. Uh, I don't think he was better than Stephen Yoon. One thing about this um, year's movie movies is they're they're extremely diverse. Yeah, yeah, I think which just, is a beautiful thing. Uh, I yeah, I think Chadwick Boseman's going to win. I think if I had to pick somebody that I would want to win, I. I I just I really liked what Riz Ahmed did in in Sound of Metal. I don't he doesn't have a he doesn't have a chance in hell. No, he doesn't. But, but uh, um, what was Bozeman in? Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's a it's an interesting movie. It was a stage play um, that they transformed into a movie about uh, a blues singer in the nineteen forties or fifties, and uh, they, she goes to record an album, and Chadwick Bozeman's part of her band. And he wants to become a bigger star and record an album, and it's 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 really an interesting. It sucks movie. that he died. He was uh, very likable. Yeah, it does. Yep. 
So actress in a leading role, we have Viola Davis from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Andre Day from the United States versus Billie Holiday. Again, another terrible movie, but a kind of an interesting performance. A, a third movie that you haven't seen, Vanessa Kirby uh, in Pieces of a Woman. Um, terrifying uh, first 30 minutes of a movie. Um, one of the craziest scenes in a movie I've seen all year. Um, just like ha- had me watching with through my fingers. Um, it's a birth scene. Um, I would recommend you watch it um, just to be terrified. Uh, then Francis McDormand in Nomadland and Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. So you've only seen two yeah, of those. I'm, I'm going to abstain. going to abstain. Who do you think is going to win? McDormand. She won for Fargo, right? Yes, she did. She was really good in that. She actually played a character. It was amazing. I really want Carrie Mulligan to win. I know she's not going to win, and I think you're right. I think Frances McDormand is, is going to win this. Win she this knows award. how to pick them. She's no Glenn Close. Uh, so, so let's just talk about we will skip director and picture to me are kind of they're intertwined, but um, if we, best picture. So you obviously would want Mank yep. to win, but who who do you think who do you think is going to win best picture? Man, I actually think Mank's going to win. It doesn't have a chance. Why doesn't it have a chance? Just, I just don't think it was as well received as 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 you as you received yeah, well, it. People don't. I mean, doesn't the Academy? Some, but it's it's a movie that that, that I know uh, that win. the Academy would typically vote for. It. You know, they they like to vote for movies that are about making movies. I mean, it was a good movie. They did actually like stuff to make it work. Who won last year for this category? You don't think Mank was received that well? You kidding me? It doesn't have the reviews. That I think, uh, you know, are gonna. Are Who do you think's gonna to, win? To... Oh, I think No Man Land's gonna oh, win. Garbage film. And that's who I obviously would, would want to win. Can't believe she fixes that van. Get a new van. Why didn't she get a new van? Oh, Paris Parasite won last oh, that's year. That's right. Oh man, what is going on with movies these days? <laughs> You're. Terrible. That movie was horrible. Oh, you're so wrong. <laughs> no Man Land better not win. I'll be disappointed. I give up on the Academy. So, is that uh, is that all we have for our Oscar conversation? Yeah, I mean, we should have a follow up segment about how close yep. we were. Unfortunately, they don't rank them right. They don't tell you where no. they landed. It's just going to be no. a winner, win or lose. So you're going to yeah. win that if no man land. I just want to reiterate that out of the eight movies, I picked three of yours, and you picked zero of mine. So you you know me better than I know you, apparently. And what were you so. telling me all day today? What what was the story? That I know you better than you know you. <laughs> so, but I st- I think I still think my list of of is more. Again, I I. I only put No Man Land up there because I thought you were going to be cute. Because I thought you would actually see the uh, the beauty it's, in that movie. It's, whole, it's not that good of a movie. And I had Mank. I, I had it as number one for you. I changed it. I'm surprised you didn't put uh, Trial of Chicago 7 as number one for me. I have it as three. I had it, I 
and that's what I texted you earlier in the day that my my eight and seven are going to be in your top three, and I was right about that, but I just had them in the wrong order. Yeah. Okay. So, what are you watching? Falcon, Winter Soldier. We talked about. Uh, we 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 both been watching Invincible. What what's uh, what, you, what what else you got? So going I on? cranked through Invincible. I thought it was pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, fun. So, for those who don't know, Invincible is a show on Amazon Prime. It's an animated show about superheroes because uh, that's all we talk about here on this podcast. Um, but it's very similar to the boys on Amazon in that there are good superheroes and bad superheroes, or ma- superheroes mas- good superheroes masquerade, or bad superheroes masquerading as good superheroes, and superheroes that are a little morally compromised. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was fun ride. Mm-hmm. It's still we still got about half the season to go. It's I I enjoy I enjoy it. I think it's. I think I'm a little superheroed out, and I think just because of the the similarities of the boys, I'm I'm a little bit out on it. And it's I'd much rather watch a live action show than an animated show. Are they show. making a third but season it, of the boys? Has that been confirmed? Yes, yes. So that'd be cool. And there's going to be a spinoff of the boys too. That's not necessary. It's going to deal more with, uh, I think, the more local. You know, they've talked about how, you know, there's superheroes in like Baltimore. And or something like that. I think there's going to have a little bit more of a local crime fighting flair than than the the seven, which is more global. Can you bring back so. Elizabeth Shue, please? She was fun. <laughs> yeah. So I'm interested. I'm interested. Are you caught up on Falcon and Winter Soldier? I'm not. Hmm. Just because of my focus on these films, I have not made it through. That's not to say I'm not interested. Uh, I am. To some degree, but you know what? You just said something to me that resonated in that. I think I'm getting super. I really enjoyed watching these best picture movies more because they had more meat and potatoes to them than your run of the mill action action superhero film. So. I don't know. I thought there was something to be said about that. Maybe I'm getting a little superheroed out. I... Yeah, the last few weeks or to month, I I've been finding myself watching a lot more movies than I have TV, and I don't know if that's just because I had more movies to catch up on, and there's not as much new t- television content out there because of you know covid and what have you but i just have older movies that i'm catching up on plus all these best pictures but uh, yeah i i'm i'm finding myself more interested in movies right now because you i you know there, it's a two-hour commitment and we get a full story instead of having to run through 10 episodes or three seasons or something right i, I don't know i'm just it, i used to a year ago i didn't watch hardly any movies and i was so focused on burning through seasons of stuff and I don't know. I've just kind of had a change of heart, and I don't know if it's because I I did enjoy this homework of watching these uh, these eight best, best picture movies, but um, it definitely it definitely has fueled this this assignment has fueled my desire to to do this again next year. So, and I hope it's uh, you know the movies are as accessible as they were this year. Yeah, I mean, I think either way we'll figure out a way to knock them out. Uh, just because we're big, 
movie dorks, but um, I, you know, I don't know where to turn to find out what shows are out there. So we, my wife and I were looking at Netflix, which thank you for sending that streaming article. I can't believe that Netflix is still the number one streaming service, but we can get into that in a second. So we we got interested in the Royals. So there's a documentary on the Royals on Netflix, which is extremely interesting. I had no idea that they go through this shit. Um, and if you haven't checked it out, it's worth checking out. The documentary is excellent. But then there's a whole huh. series called The Crown. Yeah, The Crown. Which looks extremely yeah. interesting that my wife watched. And it's got some of the actors and actresses that we talked about today. Um, it's got your girl from Hot Fuzz Yeah, in she's it. good. Um, Elizabeth Debicki's in it, too, from uh, Tenet. She plays uh, Diana. She plays Diana? She in makes a good Diana. But... but it's interesting, when I was growing up with these folks, I didn't realize that they were just as crazy as the rest of us, which is kind of refreshing. It's like uh, that, sh- that section of people. Stars, they're just like us. Yeah, exactly. They get smoothies. They go roller skating. We watched a movie on vacation uh, called RV with um, the guy that plays Mork, uh, Robin Williams. Robin Williams? He Jesus, that's like ten years I know. old. Why are we talking about? Because we're all we all got RVs, so we watched this movie, yeah. and it wasn't that good. It really wasn't that yeah, good. It didn't seem like that would be good. But I, I wanted to go back to Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, I I was really not into it after the first three episodes. I think the last couple, I think, were on the five. I think five and six. Uh, were have taken it into a interesting direction, and I think six the the last episode was definitely the best episode they've done uh, of the run because they finally addressed the racial issues that we kind of talked about how they were batting about in uh, the first episode. But I think that on the whole, it, it's just there's too much going on, and there's you know. They don't. Uh, there's just not a good balance of developing the Falcon, developing Bucky and the Winter Soldier, and then I don't even really understand what these Flag Smashers are really up to. And I heard some interesting discussion and saw a video online that there's some thoughts that they might have been like a virus plot that they nixed after COVID came up, and that, that, that's why this it kind of seems potentially stitched together and that they might have nixed a whole plot line about the flag smashers releasing a virus instead of, uh, you know, just bombing these outposts that they've, that they've been doing. So I, I'd be interested to see if that actually is true, but, and I think it's just speculation at this point, but the whole thing with the new captain America and that, that has been the, the lifeblood of the show. But the, and it's just kind of got a villain problem. Like, I don't know who the villain is. And they brought up this power broker. And everyone's talking about who the power broker is. And it's it's kind of playing cat and mouse games like Wanda did with who the real villain was with with that. And I'm, I'm just kind of tired of that. And I, I 
I'm looking forward to the end of the show. <laughs> well, there's one episode left, right? I think there's two episodes left at this oh, point. I thought it was six. I think there's only one left. Oh, maybe there is only one left. Yeah. yeah. So it would be four and five that were good episodes, and six is now the finale, which is coming up this Friday. You're right. So I, I probably need to just sit down and rewatch the whole thing and see if it's got any more. Like, I feel like the story is just so all like maybe like you're saying like it's all over the place they're trying to do too much and then there's this there's there's sharon running around and we don't know what she is is she the power broker or is she helping them or is she against them and then zemo i I still can't figure out why they broke him out of prison uh it doesn't seem like he really helped them a whole bunch other than they were very callous with uh you know handling this prisoner that you know they should not be cohorting with but they are i it's just it's messy messy yeah i i'm i'll do my homework and and watch it but it doesn't i i think i'm getting burned out on superhero stuff uh a movie that well we got a lot more of it coming i know i know but uh we're gonna we're gonna focus more on the artsy fartsy movies like yes nomadland i mean that's what we talked about when we first started this cast was to stay away from all the superhero stuff, but we're the two big dorks that can't well, can't it's do the it. Only thing, it's it's the only thing that you know a lot of people are watching. There's just no consensus TV shows out there. I mean, other than NCIS, and we're not you know we're not seventy. Well, so. I did watch the Blacklist a little bit there, so. Take my movie card. Away. The other thing that I watched. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to mention this. So this, I finally fi- figured this one out. So, the movie my wife and I watched was called Songbird. Uh, it was on Netflix. It's about so. K. J. Appa, who I have no idea who that is, Sophia Carson, Craig Robinson, Bradley Whiteford, uh, and Demi Moore Whitford. are in it, and it's about. Uh, COVID kind of going once, like a strain of COVID oh, coming in. Yeah, I have no interest in this. Um, I have zero interest I in I was this. surprised my wife wanted to watch it because it's like exactly what we're going through, only one level higher. Like you got to stay in your home. Yeah. And Yeah, it's called co- – the, 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 whole, the plot of this movie, folks, is literally COVID-24 is a – is a pan is a virus that has been raging for four years and we're now dealing with that you know disease martial law quarantine vigilant everyone's been quarantined for four years yeah no thanks i don't need that i, I mean really wow. strange release on it the one dude from fargo and i can't find him here on i am uh, db is excellent he always plays these goofy characters that are just uh, William H. Mason. He is the no. He um, he was one of the murderers. Peter Stormare. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he plays the same guy, but he is excellent, excellent, excellent in this. Uh, he's like the director mm-hmm. of sanitations, which which disposes of COVID infested people. I have zero interest in watching this movie because it's you know COVID porn. You know, COVID disaster porn, and I just got no, no interest yeah. in that. But uh, I did watch uh, something on Netflix, which I think you might be interested in: Last Chance You basketball. I, I don't know if you ever watched any of the Last Chance You football stuff, 
but it's about a junior college team in East Los Angeles. It's a documentary, and following them through the year 2019-2020 season. It's really well done, really, really great, but I didn't realize until I got about three or four episodes into it that their dream season was going to be cut short by COVID, so it's kind of a bummer in that, but the stuff leading up to that was really, really interesting, and again, as you know, you and I played basketball growing up, and you know, we've been part of teams, and, and, and watching the dynamics of this team, especially... Because, you know, junior colleges takes a lot of cast-offs, guys with problems here and there, legal troubles, drug troubles, and they have to meld them into this cohesive unit. And, again, the other thing with junior college basketball is that everyone is going to junior college thinks that they're the next pros. And so they all want their opportunities to play. And, you know, no one goes to junior college to sit the bench. And so it's it's just an interesting mix of characters that they they you know, cast I, uh, air quotes there um, because you know the way they they lay this documentary out it's it's really interesting but again it's kind of a bummer that they don't get their they don't get their shot in the end. Wait a minute! So everybody goes COVID. to junior college thinks they're going to the NBA. All these guys do. Huh. You know, at least on this team, there's a lot of guys who were the you know the best player on their team, but they didn't qualify for Division One because of grades, or they had they weren't taken because of uh, legal troubles, or they just had bad attitudes. So they all end up on this team, and uh, yeah, and then there's others that have you know personal problem. You know, one of them. Uh, the guy's mother died when he was in his freshman year at UTEP, and so he transferred out and, and transferred down to a JUCO closer to home, and so he, you know he dealt with personal issues, but um, so not all of them are like head cases, but it's uh, it's an interesting show. I, I'd really recommend watching it. It's eight episodes or something like that. Yeah, I don't think um, I have the bandwidth anymore, so I'm gonna drop off Star Wars <laughs> stuff. No, I'm not watching any more Star Wars stuff, and I can watch this documentary. the The only thing I will say is, um, it's there's there's an uncomfortable amount of n bombs dropped um, throughout it, and I just it's it's shocking to me some at sometimes. So I'm just gonna leave it there. By whom? By by white people? No. Oh, okay. Um, the other one that just premiered last night that I watched, which I thought was interesting uh was mayor of east town it's kate winslet uh she's in eastern pennsylvania trying to solve a murder and i think the first episode was pretty good it might be worth sticking with and i'm uh i'm interested to see where it goes it's it's very odd to see kate winslet doing uh yinzer eastern pennsylvania uh dialect though <laughs> it's kind of throws me off yeah i i don't know that i have any interest in seeing that Hmm. I've never. I'm not a big Kate Winslet fan, though. Hmm. But yeah. All right. Well, I think we tackled the Oscar episode. Yeah. So you're pulling for Nomadland. I'm pulling for Mank. Yeah, you're gonna be uh, disappointed. I don't yeah, I Mank. picked three of yours, and you picked zero yeah, of mine. You did great job. I think my grouping. If we were to do like uh, you know, 
against yeah. the mean, other than that I had No Man Land number one for you, but I, I, I did pretty well of yours. I only missed by one or two on most years, so. Okay. Well, you hold but on you to did, that. You did, you did well with mine. You did well. You know, you knew I was a sucker for Nomadland, of course. Are you watching uh, any uh, basketball or anything? Any sports? No. Did you watch the Masters? I did watch uh, more of the Masters than I normally have in the past couple of years. I happened to be in Nashville with my mother at the time, and so on the Saturday we sat there and watched a lot of the Masters, and I saw a little bit of the Sunday too. So, yeah, it was. Uh... It was cool, but man, you know when they break free like that, unless uh, what's his name, Hideki Matsuyama, Matsuyama, uh, he was so far ahead of everybody that kind of almost was a fight for second place, and it's always yeah, tough. He, yeah, they. I mean, he only ended up winning by the one stroke, but of course he bogeyed the last hole. It's it's always a bummer when the you know the, the champion bogeys the last hole just to. Still wins by a stroke. It's like, eh, not very, not very much drama there. Uh, the excitement was on uh, fifteen, right, where he blows through the green and put it in the water. Yeah. And he was trying to get it back, and he he lost a stroke or two there, and then Sheffley was threatening on that yeah. par three, which is I think 16, 16, 16. and he put it in the water. Yeah. And that, and that was, was it. The end of it there. That yeah. was the end of it. So. All right, well, I uh, look forward to doing this next year and actually doing up a follow-up episode or segment to see whether or not we nailed it. Um, yeah, I think on the next episode we'll, we'll talk about, again, how the reactions to the Oscars. But I also want to get your opinion on kind of a, the, what, what we've got upcoming on our slate from a, from a moving-going perspective. And uh, see what you're most excited about. You know, we got a lot of MCU movies coming out. We got some pretty interesting stuff that's coming straight to streamers. And then we got Dune. some blockbusters. I'm really just interested in seeing Dune and The Black Widow. And we got we got Top Gun Maverick, Matrix, Dune, Bond. You know, I'll be honest so. with you. I don't think I want to see Top Gun. It's going to be what, bad. Are, what, is this Russia? Is, is this Russia, Danny? I mean... Jesus, how it's can gonna, you not be excited to see Top Gun? It's going to be bad. I, man, you just play me that music. I like, I'll start crying right there in the theater. Yeah, if it's the first movie, yes, you could be my wingman. But this movie's just not. It doesn't have ice. Goose's dad. It's got Ice Man's. It's got. It's got Goose's son. I know. We're we're screwed. I'm 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 excited about that, but I don't want to spoil that podcast. But that's that's one I want to do. Where's Kelly McGillis? <laughs> Who knows? All right, man. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, stay well, stay safe, and we'll catch you next time. Good night. Bye. That concludes the show. Thanks everyone for listening. We'd love to get your support and your opinion of the podcast, so please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Deep Shots Pod and on Facebook, Deep Shots Podcasts. Email your comments, opinions, and future show suggestions at DeepShotsPod at gmail.com. Stay safe. Much love. Bye.